Hi, Andrew. How you doing? Very nice touch. I love it. Ugh, one of my favorite movies ever. I watched Hacksaw Ridge the other day, and then I started it over and watched it again. I cried my face off both times. But oh yeah, you know mm-hmm. they have the the interviews with the World War II veterans at the end, and the man who saved so many lives, who just passed away. Not that I mean within the last twenty years, but we've lost so many of these these warriors. But when it comes down to it, they all had a special relationship with their gun. Sure did. Yeah, so where'd you find these guys, Andrew? Am I saying your name right? Is it Biggio or Biggio? Yeah, Biggio is fine. Okay. Um, and, you know, originally when when I set forth to find these men, um, you know, a lot of people don't know that in 2006 the government um, declassified so many gov- uh, paperwork and after-action reports and morning reports and documents from all these different divisions that fought in World War II, and you can get them online, you can get them through requests of the National Archives, and I was literally just reading through names of guys who got wounded, bronze stars, went missing, captured, and was Googling to see if they were still alive or if I could find their obituary, and I'd reach out to them and write to them and ask them to be a part of my project. Of goosebumps all over my body. See, the the book is literally the story of what the men remember, and that's what I love so much about. By the way, Andrew, thank you for your service as a U.S. Marine Corps Infantry Sergeant, and I know you are a cop in Boston, so thank you for that too. You're still basically on the front, so uh, my utmost respect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I just back to blue. I'm part of the blue family. All right, so. Uh, when you sought these guys out, see, a lot of guys who fought in war, they don't want to talk. But you, you found men who would, and that surprises me. Were they were they more than eager? Did you pry? Did you have to pry? Well, the, that's why, like, the rifle itself became a microphone. You know, putting that rifle into their hands again, I almost gave them no choice. The words just had to pour out of their mouths again because <sighs> here they were holding this piece of equipment that, they used to eat, sleep, and live with every single day during the war, share a foxhole with, and now I'm putting this rifle back into their hands 75, 78 years later, and their memories just came right out. And we bonded from veteran to veteran, and I think that's a lot of reason why I got to get some of the never-told stories before, because, um, like, you know, there was a combination of prying and our... Basically, we were close enough because I was a veteran and went through my own wars. They were a veteran through their own wars. And I said, please, leave this younger generation of veterans the key to success on how to live a life after combat. And that really did kind of guilt them into telling me their story. Yeah, whatever you got to do. But I know you served in Iraq and Afghanistan, completely different kind of war than what they fought. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were yeah. hand-to-hand bayonet. You know, I'm looking my enemy in the eye while I take him out. I mean, it, it's different than the sniper and the drone and the air fire and, and the IEDs and the and the blowing up Humvees. I, mean, I don't mean to give you PTSD, but, you know, it's a different kind of war. Yeah, you know, and you don't worry, you're not giving me PTSD. Okay. But what I found amazing, what they thought was, is when I told them where I served, and it was like they thought that was the most brutal thing. And, and the reason why is because, they they can't World War II veterans can't even fathom 
to, uh, uh, army today who you don't know who your enemy is that doesn't wear a uniform that That's true. you know you know so they were like blown away by that aspect and of course i'm blown away by the aspect of them having a storm beaches and and so on and so forth so it was definitely a common bonding of the trials and tribulations of being a combat veteran. Any issues? I mean, some of these guys are in their hundreds. I mean, they're octogenarians. We've got guys in their 90s and hundreds, and, and they're, they are fruitfully remembering what happened way back in the day, as you recite in your book, which, by the way, I had the boo-boo face through the whole thing. Because this stuff comes to life on the page just like it would if it were on the screen i don't know how it's not a movie honestly and i say that to some authors but not all but this one you know being such a big fan of of war movies some of them are just stupid and i hate the way they portray the soldiers as scared and hiding in foxholes and i know there were some of those but the bravery just the, the the complete unadulterated belief in God is going to get me through this thing that they had is second to none. Yeah, the, the, I hope to God my book becomes a TV or movie series because that's what inspired, I feel like, today's generation, like the movie Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers, that really did educate so many people sometimes on what the school system can't, where they show up close and personal the sacrifice and what these veterans went through in war. That really, these films changed my life to want to meet these men that became my heroes and rate their stories and after my own service. It was like a race against time. I wanted to meet all the men I grew up reading about and watching on TV, and I got to do just that. And, you know, they were babies. When they fought this war, and they're in their hundreds now, so the fact that they are vividly remembering these things is is phenomenal. If you were, yeah, if you were 18 during World War II, you are now 98. Yep. Isn't that crazy? That's that's absolutely mind-boggling. And most of the veterans were 22 years old, so those guys are all 101. And they're still here, and they still remember, and... You know, a lot of them haven't talked about it for a very long time. So I bet when you opened that spigot, it just came out. I don't know how you kept up with it, trying to get it all. Did you record it because you you had to write it later? Oh yeah, I I, I originally was too shy to stick a camera in their face. Here they were telling me about their you know some of the worst moments of their life. So I would originally just record on my iPhone and and place it on the table and talk to them, eyeball to eyeball. Then. You know, as I started to realize that, you know, some of their sons and daughters are coming up to me saying, wow, I never heard my father say that before. Then I realized I really needed to upgrade, and I started filming each one of my interviews mm-hmm. for the sake of history. you got to have them on picture, man. you got to. But, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, play a picture in a book other than the, the pictures that you can include. But why, why write the book? I mean, you've been to war. You could have just told the story of yourself. Why did you choose to go back to these guys, which the pictures I love, by the way? Because I think I wanted to make myself different than every other book that was written or told or story that was told is here you had the youngest generation of America's veterans, right? The post 9-11 veterans saying goodbye to the oldest generation of veterans, which was World War II. And I I feel like we all kind of, you know, woke up one day and all the World War One veterans were gone. There was no countdown like we're having now where every time you go on the nightly news, you see a veteran's 100th birthday or 
something extravagant regarding a World War II veteran. So, you know, I look at it as my kids who are four and two right now will never be able to have a conversation with a World War II veteran. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah, I did a I did a series with our veterans when I very first moved here in 2001, and all of those men are gone now, and I cherish that series because I can hear their voices and their stories again. But, you know, what he does in his book, which is called The Rifle Two: Back to the Battlefield, Andrew, Andrew Biggio, um, you, like, for instance, Emilio Magliacani, is that how you say his name? Yep. Okay, he... He, you, you get the story of who they are, where they came from, kind of how they ended up here. Because a lot of these guys were first generation Americans, and they were out there fighting because they knew what it meant to be free. Because they came from somewhere that was not so much. Yeah, they these guys all. Well, first of all, they're all survivors of the Great Depression. They're all a lot of them. Some of them were immigrants that came to America and then had to go back and fight, or their parents came here from other countries. And then they had to go fight, you know, a lot. So 35% of the U.S. forces in World War II were actually Italian-Americans. Mm-hmm. So all these people that came here from Italy and their kids are going back there and fighting and dying in Italy was just sadly ironic. Okay. You know, you have one guy holding up all his medals and his stripes, and every one of those things means something that happened to him on the field. His name is Frank, and I don't know, but is it Miniscalco? Yep. Okay, I'm I'm shooting off Italian names here, and I don't know how to say them, but I'm trying. <laughs> all right, but it's all right. Doing they're, good. they're proud of their service, as well they should be, and I know that that had to strike something in your soul when you saw those sorts of things. Yeah, you know, it's like some of these guys never went to a reunion after World War II, you know, didn't talk to their families. Other guys stayed very involved in Veterans Day, Memorial Day, and so I think each story is a message to the younger veterans that, you know, it's okay. however you want to move forward with your life, however you want your life to peak or plateau, here's what this particular veteran who's now 100 years old did. Yeah. And so it's a, it can be a guidebook for younger veterans or even a um, a book for those patriots and supporters who didn't serve but want a better understanding of what their grandfathers and great-grandfathers went through. Yeah. And I wish this was so much longer. We have exactly two minutes left. I know you have a large social media following, but I want people to get this book. Where Where is it available? You can buy The Rifle 2 or The Rifle Part 1 on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million. And I want everyone to get it. And did is it, is it true that you had the guy sign the rifle? Every veteran I met signed my rifle, and now there's over... 320 names covered all over this rifle. You can't even see the wood part of it anymore. Shut up. That is insane. (laughs) That's so cool. All right. So, you know, I know a lot of stories probably stood out for you. I wish we had time to tell the entire story. But one real quick, if you can tell in one minute, which which guy stood out the most to you? Oh, boy. Um, I think right now the star of this book is Ed Cottrell was 101 years old. He was a P-47 pilot who flew 65 missions during World War II and was escorted by his German, by German fighter planes back over Belgium lines when he was his plane was smoking and on fire after being shot up. And instead of taking him out, they escorted him back over German lines. And it's a, excuse me, Belgian lines. And it's a very unique story, Chapter 2 of the book.
That one made me. I, I, that's a miracle. That that was the boo boo face big time for me because they could have killed him. They could have killed mm-hmm. him. They had every reason to kill him. Why didn't right. they? Why? Why? Why didn't they kill him? Seriously. I, I don't understand it. But anyway, this book is definitely a good read. It's worth every cent. Um, you need to read The Rifle 1, 2, but um, this is The Rifle 2, and they're both available on Amazon. Andrew is a cop in Boston, so he's continuing to serve, which so many who serve in the military do. He's done tours in Afghanistan, tours in Iraq with the U.S. Marine Corps, and he's now an author and um, president of the New England Wounded Veteran Incorporated. So you can look him up online, Andrew Biggio, B-I-G-G-I-O. Please get his books and read about him and how you can help his foundation. Andrew, thank you, and God bless you for this book. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. You know, I wish I had an hour with Andrew. I seriously wish I had an hour, but I don't. I had exactly 13 minutes, but I do have a copy of the book. The EBO ticket window is open. 335-5512-1800. Talk 960 or Star 960. One copy of The Rifle 2, Back to the Battlefield, from Andrew Biggio. He is a cop and a, and a Marine, and you're going to want this book. Call the three. It's yours right now.